God of the universe, maker of the stars, who am I that you would know my name? Welcome to the second episode of Life on Purpose. And guys, I almost kind of missed it because I was doing some sound checks here and uh, I pulled up Exodus Road Band on my computer and was listening to Ryan and uh, somebody that's kind of dear to you there, David, uh, kind of got lost in the, the time there for a minute. So we are back. Uh, we're actually not here yet. In, in actually, and if you think about it, because I'm still waiting for Apple Music and all them to give us their permissions and things. So we're getting mm. a few episodes uh, ahead mm -hmm. of ourselves here. Uh, Ryan is not uh, is not with us tonight. Um, David, how long ago was it that his his grandmother passed away? Oh, I think it was about a couple months ago. Uh, okay. It was. It's just. It's now finally time where they can finally all actually sit down. And go. All right, let's actually get this all handled. And then everyone thought that there was stuff or there was things need to be ordered, and then it was already taken care of. And it's just all a big mess. So oh, yeah, man. he's he's had his hands full down there for quite a bit. So yeah. yeah. Daniel's Daniel's been through that with uh with with grandparents as uh mine and Kathy's both of our uh, set to parents mm. have uh you know passed yeah. away. Lots In of fighting parts. Yeah, we had three within a very short amount of time. Very and short. uh uh Daniel got some uh, grandparent phobia there for a little while, I think, right? Mm -hmm. yeah a little bit we don't talk about that yet <laughs> <laughs> that's another show uh, yeah yeah we'll, we'll tackle that yeah. one maybe months from now <laughs> yeah there you go well hey everyone uh thank you for tuning in and uh you know sign up on your favorite platform or not sign up subscribe on your favorite there platform you and, <laughs> there you go uh, share this pass it around we have a lot of great vision for this program that we we haven't talked about yet guys really i mean mm -hmm. not on the program yet uh, yeah, we've got yeah. a lot of good vision, but it's going to, it's going to depend on how everybody out there responds. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I definitely expecting the, I'm, we're hoping that it's going to take off, but then again, it, like what's happened before you think you got something figured out and then all of a sudden it just comes from a different way, different angle. And it's like, wow, I didn't realize that that was going to resonate so much. So yeah. mm -hmm. we're just going to see what happens. So like, just like some of these songs, we are always surprised as Exodus road band. We're always surprised when we put out an album and it's like, really that song is number one, huh? Okay. Like there's some, they're obvious, <laughs> but it's like, wow, I didn't expect that song to take off so much. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's, I think the same thing we're thinking here. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what people resonate with. And I'm, we, again, we are hoping that you're blessed by all this. That's yeah. the whole reason why we're doing this in the first place is just to be an encouragement and to be a blessing uh, to the father, but a blessing to your ears as well. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think we've all experienced at one time or another that, you know, sometimes, you just give the father your yes and you, you move through it, you, you go through it and it doesn't really matter. Uh, you might have a vision and a hope for what it turns into, but in the end, that's not always what it's about. Sometimes it's just about following the father, giving him your yes, no matter what he's asking you to do. And that is preparing you for what is actually next. If not, what is right in front of you? You know, he's always got, uh, he's always got multiple dimensions of what he's working in behind the scenes um yeah. i'm glad i'm not him because he he sure <laughs> has that thing down pretty well that's for sure one, I of, think my favorite, one of my favorite uh rabbinic statements is uh if if i knew all that god was i would be him and i'm not and i'm very thankful no. for that yeah very Ain't simple that truth, truth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so uh, daniel truth. what you were talking about is where we're going to go toward the end of the program actually but uh until you know we got a little bit of time between now and then 
And so uh, we're going to kind of get to know each other a little bit more, actually. Well, I know Mm -hmm. Daniel pretty well, as well as anybody. (laughs) The the people that are out there listening to us, they're like, okay, who are these guys? Uh, They don't really look like the three musketeers this week, but you know, we don't, we, maybe you'd like to know something about us. So we're going to, to talk a little bit about our testimony, where we came from, um, how we got here. And uh, then we're going to change some directions. We're going to give Ryan a, an opportunity next week to do that. But, uh, uh, who wants to go first here? Ah, uh, I, I, I think I'll jump in there for it oh, real, real quick. So, okay. It. So, uh, as you could tell, I think it says on the uh, screen here, Timothy. That is mm-hmm. my legal first name, but I go by Dave. So you probably heard Mike and they already saying that, and it, I go by Dave. And I think that's, uh, I think I've, all my life I've been kind of that way. And uh, Ryan is, uh, of course, the kind of the same way. We'll we'll wait for uh, next time Ryan can tell us all about that. Anyway, so. Um, I was not supposed to be born uh, very, from the very, very beginning. We're talking about very, way back in 1989, 1990. We have uh, my... Uh, wait a minute. I have, I have socks that are that old. I was about to say. I was about to say. It's like, okay. <laughs> so 1989, 1990, my mom had been... Uh, my mom and dad, they'd been trying to have uh, children and six miscarriages later... I showed up into the picture more than just a thought this time. And every doctor, every single person said that I was going to be uh, mentally handicapped, might even be on life support, and that I was going to be a girl. Uh, clearly shows how uh, you could put all your faith into some people that have studied all their life that think they got it all figured out. And God has a funny way of saying, yeah, the simple things can fool, it can fool the wise big time. So mm-hmm. it was kind of a miracle. I think that even my mom has even quoted it. She felt like it was a miracle that happened in the birth canal in my birth. It just, they all mm-hmm. thought she was an idiot for doing it. And I just wanted to tell anybody out there that might be going through the, uh, um, terrifying realization of maybe something like that where everyone's telling you that it's not going to work out all that stuff uh i'm living proof that thankfully my mom rejected everything that they said and said no we're going to go through this with it anyway i I come out there yeah so i come out there heaviest baby in like a year for them the healthiest and completely dumbfounded all of them and a boy obviously so they completely (laughs) like they had no idea what to think even there was a doctor one of them was the head doctor he walked out and was stunned he had to he was completely wrong on everything and uh, it shocked him so Um, i wanted to say that first and foremost that you could be going through something like that just trust what God's got inside you. Just do it because you're going to be blown away what God's got in store for you through that. Um, where my testimony might be a little different from others or maybe even similar to those is that I grew up in faith all my life. I That's all I ever knew was either being in a church or sitting in a synagogue or a home fellowship. That's all I've ever known all my life. Uh, originally, I was born up in Michigan. So I am from the north. I know that everyone else here is from the south. So I'm yeah. a little. We'll, we'll give you an honorary here. A little honorary. Turn my lights off because one of them yeah. messed up. <laughs> so. yeah, well, you know. So but I, you, you're here now. So you know, yeah, exactly. I've been here since I only was there for four years. So I didn't get enough northernism in me. You know, I mean, anyways, <laughs> get a little bit there. So 94, we moved down. My dad had a job opportunity, so we came down here and then been in Georgia my whole my whole life uh was in north of atlanta we kind of drifted from here and there was in buford for a little bit then moved to the mountains to escape all the craziness 
and then went right back into the metro Atlanta area and I came right back up because I had to be a part of the mountains. So hmm. getting a little bit ahead of myself here, uh, always knew of God, always knew that God existed, uh, got to be a part of some awesome youth ministries that was uh, way back when, if anyone else has been a part of it, but it was a free chapel worship center. They had a youth pastor there that was Pendleton Brown, probably one of the best youth ministers I've ever seen. I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen another one. He was just so good at being able to resonate with kids. I hope that maybe I could become maybe even a fraction of that. He was just so good at being able to just get kids to open up, get them excited about the word. And that's where I think a little bit of this started for me. Cause that was uh, mm-hmm. like maybe 10 or 11 years old when that happened. And he planted such a seed inside of me. It was a huge church, but this guy had such a heart for just every single kid that was in his, wow. was in his ministry. And mm-hmm. then when it was getting real, they, uh, they started switching directions and, we left at the same moment. My parents went to Israel, which if you've heard anything from Mike or any one of us, with uh, <laughs> that that saying that you say, uh, they went to Israel expecting to see the land when in reality, the land was expecting to see them and then yeah. reached out and grabbed their hearts and mm-hmm. or showed them the other half of themselves mm-hmm. that they had been missing. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's I think that was uh, something you said that really, really resonated with me. And when they came back, it was, well, we understand that now there's this whole other there's this whole other part of the Bible that we've never looked into and now we got to look into it. So 98, 99, we were, we were in a uh, messianic synagogue and I remember it was so weird because it was like they came back and everything changed. No more bacon, which I was extremely upset about. No more bacon and fried popcorn shrimp. I was really wanting yeah. to keep my popcorn shrimp. Yeah. Oh, man. It's still, it's still, for some people I talk to, oh, shrimp is like that one thing. People are like, oh, I really miss the, I really miss the popcorn shrimp. So, yeah, 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 that was like the one thing you missed. But then I realized that turkey bacon, turkey sausage was okay. But it seemed like back then it wasn't nearly as good as it is now. It seemed like it's gotten a lot better. Better, um, becoming <laughs> more of a healthy option. I mean, you, you back then you would look at people say, "Is that turkey bacon?" They look yeah. at you like you're crazy. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. Like that. It's especially in the South. Like that's that's not even heard of in the South. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What? You're not gonna have extra bacon? Are you serious? No, yeah. no. Let me let me help you. You have to like stop them. Like no, <laughs> well, we're gonna give you extra because you're you're obviously like your head's not right. So like you guys know in the South, that's what it's like. That's right. Um, that's true. Along yep. with our super sweet sugar, sweet tea, which mm. I can't stand going back north. Oh, I'm sorry, you guys up north. <laughs> you guys do not know what sweet tea is really like. You guys don't. I'm telling you. Um, okay. So from that point, uh, we knew that. I remember, uh, yeah, back to what I was saying is that I remember at that Christmas, it was like right and around like the fall feast that they were over there. So then God met them in a powerful way. So when they came back, they had uh, – already set up some stuff getting ready for christmas and they're like well we're not going to ruin this for you but this is the last year we're doing christmas and this is it we're we're completely oh. switching gears and it really wasn't you know, like that's what, like most people would be like upset like oh christmas is such a huge thing yeah. but for us it really wasn't uh it wasn't as big of a holiday as some others would be so it wasn't mm-hmm. too hard for me to switch that because then hanukkah was like oh this was this is even this is really cool too oh, yeah. so we were pretty chill with Hanukkah. So from that point on, that was when I was around nine, 10 years old. Then that whole, this whole other life then started because it was all about Jesus and going to church on Sunday. Then it was a shift and it was like, whoa. And we got to be a part of congregations. I got to 
meet some people, kind of started a congregation. And then after that, the politics of all that stuff, after years of being involved in it, seeing the politics, seeing how one family would turn against another for just the dumbest of reasons, honestly, in my young mind, it was just the dumbest of reasons. Then we were just sick of it and we left and went to the mountains. And that's where my uh, the dot-com crashed in 01. Mm -hmm. And we almost lost everything. We almost went homeless. And I, at the, as a young kid at that time, I didn't really understand what homelessness was. I just remember we stayed in a hotel for a very long time that didn't make a lot of sense to me. So uh, my parents did a pretty good job of uh, not really, I guess, shielding me from that, the, the, the worry and the pain of what that could be like. Yeah. Um, but thankfully, God moved in a powerful way. We were able to get into the house that we built out in the middle of almost nowhere. And it was like a little mini retreat with a creek and a waterfall out front. And people eventually would end up coming to our Shabbat gatherings because it was just such a breath of fresh air in the mountains of North Georgia. So that's what ended up happening. We got so deep in the word. We would just read all the time. And my prayer life increased. My knowledge of the scripture started inc to increase because we had nobody else. There really wasn't a YouTube back then, which is kind of crazy that I can actually say that. Like, I don't know if anyone else can even think of without having YouTube in their life right now. Like that just, right. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, Mike, sorry. <laughs> like you just, you think <laughs> that YouTube's been around forever and you don't realize that it's a very new thing. So new teachers, new, all that stuff. All you had was cassette tapes, yeah. which I think we can probably talk about some about cassette tapes here a little bit too. Cause <laughs> I can even tell you all we did. David, I can even tell you about the first remote. See, <laughs> well, I was the you remote. got me there. I was the remote. See, my mother would say, get up and change the channel. So I was the remote. Yeah, get up there and actually change it. And then the mm -hmm. all. And then you pass that down that. generationally to me. Yeah, but I text. Yes. I remember, I text you to come into the oh. room to change the channel. Hey, some things never change, right? Some things never do. Yeah. <laughs> okay, David, go ahead. Yeah. No, I think that was great because that's kind of what eventually ended up happening is that all this, we still played outside. We didn't really have anything. We, yeah. I got to grow up. I mean, it was a stressful time for my parents, and they did a great job of shielding me from it. But I was, I was outside every day. I was having fun all the time, and. That was it was a great thing because I always thought it was just nothing could stop us because we were always together, always in prayer together. And I, I tell this a little bit to people is that I always hated when my mom would start praying because my mom would start praying. Oh, boy, you're going to be there for a minute. Hey, you're going to be there. Not <laughs> and not just for a minute. It was like a extended, very prolonged minute, maybe even closer to an hour. And mm -hmm. I was like, I am never going to I'm never going to pray like her ever. I can't believe how long she's going. Uh, sure enough. Prayer has a fun or God has a funny way of taking your words or your thoughts and going, guess what? Yep. <laughs> guess yeah, what? I've been prayer in prayer is actually awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I have to now watch myself. I have to stop myself and say, all right, gotta end it. Gotta end it now. So I will I will, can get carried away with the best of them. Now I understand completely where some people are when they do that. And it's like you get lost in a wave. I'm getting a also again a little ahead of myself. So I I was experienced around prayer. We were always praying together. We were always doing stuff. People would come to, up to our place. We would be ministering. And also for me, I got to learn how to uh, 
uh, partially sing uh, or the chanting of liturgy. It was it's always been extremely close to me. I always love doing liturgy. Uh, Mato Vu, there's like Shema is a part of that, which, again, mm -hmm. if you guys have not considered looking into the Shema, you need to look at how amazing the Shema is, the declaration of our faith. It truly is is a, a credible, very short stanza of how, what it means to be a part of his kingdom and yeah. to enunciate that every single yeah. day will change your life. It will change your life. And it's something that is found in scripture. It's not a merely a Jewish thing. It's a, it's a, it's a people of a kingdom thing. If I think if I could say it that way, uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a short little thing. Yeah. About to say, please steal it. Mike, uh, what, what, how's your saying go? It, the first time you hear it, it's stolen. The second time it's, uh, okay. The, the first time I give you credit, Yes. The second that's time it. a friend told me, third time yes. it's mine. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Please, that that little saying falls right along with that. So I got to learn those kind of things, and those always meant something very important to me. I don't know why. Again, you don't realize why some things become so important to you, but I think I had that in my little box that Mike talks about. If you've never heard about the box, it's something that uh, I think every young person, especially yeah, you you kind of collect things that become a part of you. Mm -hmm. And that was something that really kind of became a part of me because no matter where we went, that was something that always would resonate with me. And it was something that I, I held dear. Um, mm -hmm. But as the years progressed, we moved back towards uh, the metro Atlanta area, which was kind of north of all the Atlanta hubbub, which is still nice. You're so close to everything, but uh, it was starting to get not as peaceful as the mountains it was starting to come that busy busy and it was nice because that was about time i was thinking about going to college i'm wrapping up high school so it's like man i'm gonna be close to university i'm gonna be going to school because that's literally all i've been taught in my head like or told is gotta go to school gotta go to school gotta go to school so it's like all right well i got good grades and everything's moving on the up so i'm gonna i'm gonna go to a good school so we'll be closer maybe maybe be able to commute and we found a congregation near there it was a tikva david it was led by a rabbi rabbi Derek lehman and uh, it was a great place because man there was a lot of uh, young kids that were a little younger than me but i absolutely enjoyed hanging out with them so much we always had a blast always had fun and then that uh that moment started coming for me that uh, wasn't just playtime anymore. It was starting to get a little serious with God because I was been just kind of cruising behind the uh, coattails of my parents when it came to faith, just kind of being on autopilot, just trying to be the uh, best uh, little boy I could be and not get into too much trouble and just do those things. And just maybe you could call it sheltered, probably a little bit of that. Uh, so I would just try to keep doing the best I could. But then as that, I started flapping my wings, the so to speak, because I'm starting to become into adulthood, into that point where now I have to take responsibility and having a job, going to school, all those things that you have to start managing on your own start becoming a thing. And for whatever reason, I was leaning on my own understanding. I was leaning on my own strength and willpower to do those things. So then I started trusting in only myself and really wasn't looking to God. He was there, but I really wasn't really focused on what God wanted for me. And I was just mm. going to streamline my way. And so with extended amount of periods of time, I thought responsibility meant doing things that kind of hurt or didn't, I didn't really think that were a big deal. So come Shabbat, my uh, boss is going, Hey, well, I really need someone to fill in for me because this guy stepped out or he's sick. And I was like, well, I can reason this away. You know, there's a, 
there's a verse somewhere in there that talks about doing something when uh, on the Shabbat. So, you know, I bet you it's not going to be a big deal. I'll just go in. I'll fill it in. I'll, I'll take care of it. Yeah. Well, about 10 times that has happened in a very short amount of time. Uh, and I'm surrounded by people that aren't do not understand what I what I believe that don't understand or don't see the value in what I was raised in. So mm -hmm. then I'm just following and coattails along with this, this worldly view of how the world works, that it's a sucky, awful place and that it's full of depression and that everything doesn't make any sense. Um, you talk to one person, think that there's something, there's a connection happening or something's going on. And then the next moment uh, there's nothing there. And it's like, what happened? I thought there was something there. And so then you're like yearning for that, um, for your significant other, you're looking to see if there's something there. And it was like, nothing was showing up and it, it just, nothing was making sense to me until God moved again to reach out and grab me out of that pit that I was kept running myself into. Cause I kept trying to look for other things. I kept trying to, and he, he would, he kept on showing he was there. So I wouldn't like get lost totally mm -hmm. into the world. He would just, he'd keep showing up. He'd keep showing himself mm -hmm. in a big way. So I was like, wow, that was amazing. God, thanks. Thanks for doing that. But it wasn't like a complete flip my mm -hmm. world upside down thing. Keeping that yet. foot in the door. Yeah, exactly. So then things started like he was, he was always showing himself. And then I met my future wife and it was a it was mutual friendship at at first i really enjoyed being around her i liked her and all this other stuff so i was like man my life might be starting to look up here i mean life's kind of depressing you know work's kind of lame and school sucks and I, i'm trying to commute and i'm driving through atlanta rush hour traffic and it sucks and it's terrible then all of a sudden it was like god had had enough of whatever i was doing and said all right it's time to rip the it's time to rip the rug out from underneath you and mm -hmm. find out where your foundation where your rock really is at and so come i don't remember the month i i probably i i, I couldn't tell you the month but in 2011 or a little earlier my uh my dad is talking with me and all of a sudden he looks at me and goes son i gotta tell you um it looks like you you're in you and your mom or me and your mom are going to be getting divorced and my entire world just yeah. – I did not realize until that moment that I had depended so much of my foundation of my life upon my relation, the relationship of my mom and dad and how they – how I viewed that relationship is how I viewed God. So when that happened, yeah. it was like everything fell apart, and then it was the – it was the negative thoughts. It was the anger. It was the bitterness. The unforgiveness truly is what absolutely took over. I was mad at everybody. I was angry with mm -hmm. everybody. There was nothing. I, I was in a way I was also angry with God in a way. I was also angry. I wouldn't say that because mm -hmm. I knew better, but in a way I was angry with God. And I, I wish back then I wish someone had said, yeah, you're angry with God. It's okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you are like, it's, it's sometimes you got to bring validity to why you're angry. And, yeah. um, to then and then explore why. So that's what I, I didn't have until later on. Um, because I would do this, I would make jabs, I would do all these hurtful things to both parties. I didn't I was just mad at everything. And even my uh uh what 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 would you say? I think even my uh I have a brother I hadn't even mentioned before because he also got extremely angry with uh with them as well. So it really shattered the family, just <clears throat> shattered. And um, I didn't understand why. I didn't understand what why divorce was so awful. 
but it was devastating. And I thought mm -hmm. that you read about it, you heard about it, you heard how rough yeah. it was and you try to go, Oh, it's not going to affect me, but it did. And as an older person, it really affected me. So until I kept on shirking away and I'm, it's becoming more and more serious with the love of my life, Brittany, as uh, I met before and I thought everything was going good. So then in the middle of me trying to start a life with somebody, this happens and it's completely wrecking my world. I don't know what's up and down. I'm like, whoa, what is, what is real? What is not all that stuff. So again, depression, the dark thoughts, all that stuff starts just flooding into my mind or then I get angry and throw it all out. And then it just immediately comes back. It's just like, it's attracted to me. And, uh, then there was one evening that I had reached my lowest and was like, I'm, I'm done. I'm so sick of this and planned it out, saw how it could be done, was ready to commit the act. And God just whispers, just whisper just that moment of why don't you just why don't you read a prayer and hmm. i told you that i prayer uh the uh understand like the the liturgy and stuff that was that was a huge part of my life i knew it was in the afternoon i knew that was the time of the mariv the evening service so i was <laughs> like well, let me just start reading it and i didn't make it past the first blessing because the first blessing is all about the love of israel wow. so you were reading it and i'm like i'm just skimming it because again i'm still angry i'm still depressed i'm still mad but in my entire vision cleared up immediately as soon as i went when i read blessed are you lord our god king of the universe for who chooses to love his people israel mm. that wrecked me so Man. bad so all the realization of everything just shattered at that moment everything it was like the the veil had finally been ripped off of understanding why i was in the mess i was in and understanding that it was unforgiveness that had led me to this place and i just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed i i called my dad apologized to him of what i was mad with him about called my mom i apologized what i was mad with them about and you know what? The thing I want to tell you is that it wasn't instant. Forgiveness wasn't instant. Yeah. It right. took time. And it was, it were, and I realized it relied on me to check my emotions and check my thoughts when those emotions would come again to say, no, 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 no. I already know why that's there. Mm -hmm. You can't, you don't have any hold on me. You have no hold on me. So I kept pushing back and rejecting. And I'll tell you what, when that happened, it's like, everything started to just move again. It's like I had been stuck. I couldn't do anything. I was stuck at the same boring job. I was stuck. I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything. But then when I chose to commit forgiveness and to say, I forgive those that hurt me, it was like my life started going, like the engine of life started running again. And all of a sudden opportunity came knocking this opportunity. Mm. And then this happened. And then all mm. of a sudden I'm getting married and all these things started happening. And I'm just like, okay, well, this is awesome. <laughs> this is great. This is coming back again. This is awesome. And then it was like, hey, so why don't you do something that you've never, ever, ever done before? And I was like, what? It's like, well, um, Tony was trying to play some music, wanted to do some music. And, well, we had lost some people playing stuff because when an Exodus Road Band first started out, I didn't know anything. I didn't know how to do anything. And even my wife. She she only sang to herself. She never oh, yeah. even sang anything before. Yeah, that's an amazing <laughs> that's story. What, we got to get her crazy, on for that, right? I uh, know. I would love to have her share with her side of it. But basically, she had never sang in front of people, and then all of a sudden, she just starts singing, and then everyone's like, "Oh man, you're actually you're actually pretty good at this." Yeah. <laughs> like this, <laughs> the producer's like, "You're actually you're really good. Are you sure you've never taken lessons or anything?" And 
it just took off. And I'm just sitting in the background. I didn't do anything. I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't know how to do buttons, which if you know me now, like you think, nah, oh, yeah. you've grown up with something. Yeah. But now it's like, I didn't know anything. I didn't know how to play anything. I didn't know how to do anything. Wow. Until then, it was like the opportunity. Like, again, opportunity comes knock and says, do you want to do this? Will you be willing to try? And I was like, well, I guess there's no harm in just trying. And sure enough, God just kept putting me in front of Ryan, which you'll hear about next uh, next time. And then Tony, who'd been playing for so long as well. Those two people combined just brought me up to a level of proficiency within music. Mm -hmm. But then in the middle of all that, I did that. And something I don't really talk about is then all of a sudden we got opportunities where worship would set in. And Daniel, I know you're aware of this. Well, I you're you're both aware of this but when you're leading in worship all of a sudden there's this thick and heavy spirit yeah. just starts pouring into the place and then you're like oh it's prayer time <laughs> it's time to pray for some people oh there's yeah. there's no denying what the spirit is 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 leading here it's there's no question if you don't yeah. do it it's just going to start springing forth it's just going to yeah. start happening on its own you have to acknowledge it yeah. and then i started just praying for people i you just tony just gave me a look like well going to do something. I was like, I you know what? I'm just going to jump into this too. And I'm just see what happens. I never prayed for people, never did any of that stuff. All of a sudden I'm sitting there and I'm just, just going in the spirits pouring in and we're just praying and we're just praying and we're just praying and we're just, people are crying and it's just like, Whoa, this is amazing. I'm seeing people just literally being transformed right in front mm -hmm. of me. And yeah. that was, that's truly was amazing. Cause I did not expect that. That was like one of those things that just shows up that you don't realize shows up and you're mm -hmm. like, Whoa, that was really cool. That really was, that really happened. And I didn't realize that all my life of all those things that we'd gone through as we prayed together, as I was mm -hmm. reading prayers from the, from a Jewish perspective, but reading those prayers, all of a sudden, all that stuff started like tying together. And I was like, Oh wow, how that, that can work. And with the spirit, it just started flowing. So that was something that I didn't expect to happen. That truly blew me away. So I think what I wanted to say is that then it's, on, and I don't know what's going to happen next, but those are some brief moments in my life where I didn't realize this, or maybe now I'm going to be a podcaster right now, right? <laughs> I, I have no idea. Again, I took this whole entire thing and said, let's just do it. Let's go. Do it. Especially yeah. when we, uh, we were talking at Revive, and it was yeah. like, something's got to be done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I joined the, I echoed the same thing that yeah. these guys said too and said, we got to do something. So it's like, all right, let's try to, let's do a podcast. I have there no idea how to do this. So from all that, it's it's truly amazing if you just say yes and you choose forgiveness where God's going to take you. So that's Amen. what I want to say for mine. That's that's what was truly Amen. amazing. And I I'm looking forward to seeing what God's got coming up next. It's gonna be for amazing. those of you that uh, that remember how I introduced uh, David last week mm -hmm. as he makes the Energizer Bunny look like the slacker. Uh, <laughs> you now know why. So, yes, and David, it's interesting that what you were saying is what we're going to get to in a verse in just a few moments. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. uh, I've already, just, I'm going to push, uh, I'm going to join Ryan next week. So <laughs> give, uh, yeah. give Daniel some time here to, uh, so I, you know, watch what you say, son. <laughs> I, I think that's really personal. Okay. So yeah, uh, don't just, well, just, it's okay. You live close so we can come beat up on each other in person. Yes. Go for it. All right. Well, uh, first you know, thank you, Dave, uh, just being um, willing to share that yeah. stuff in a public mm -hmm. setter, you know, public setting for, you know, to literally anyone to hear, um, mm -hmm. you know, shows that you've come to yeah. terms with the power that your testimony has. So 
I say thank, thank you. you from me and from yeah. I'm sure a bunch of people as thank well. You, yeah. mm-hmm. So um, let's see, trying to condense down what feels like a really long life, even though I'm only 27, like just condensing it down, you know, it is hard to do. So I'll try to hit the highlights as best I can. And I'm sure as the weeks go on, we're going to, you know, dip into a lot of different stuff. So, yeah. So I was born um, and then I grew up and here I am. So Mm -hmm. no. Yeah. And I've been there for all (laughs) those events. Sorry. Every single one of them. (laughs) So I was born in uh, 1994 and Mm -hmm. dad, your, um, first israel trip was in 1998 you yeah. came back and that's when we started moving into wow. torah and so i was four years old when mm-hmm. we started moving into torah and so my only memory of an unkosher food is lobster and i just remember <laughs> thinking to myself like this can't be worth it like this is so much work with like cracking these things and pulling this stuff out and i was like there's what's what's the point here uh, so that's the only unkosher thing i remember eating um, uh-huh. I only have one memory of Christmas as far as like, I, I can kind of see like a little Christmas tree decoration in, um, in the window in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, like Torah is, is all I've known. Like, I just remember growing mm-hmm. up, going out and looking for the new moon, doing the new moon blessings yeah. that are from the Siddur. I remember Hanukkah. I remember doing, um, you know, just all these things, reading the Torah portions and, and, and all the stuff. And, uh, that's just all I've known. And I grew up really enjoying it you know I, I loved it and um you know as a as a young you know in in my childhood years you know I just I loved it you know I had no reason to question Hanukkah or you know like the question never really entered my mind like you know why don't we do Christmas like I want to do Christmas I, I just wasn't that way um you know it's it's what I knew Hanukkah and Sukkot and all these things and I loved it um and so that was you know that was the majority of my childhood um and it wasn't until, you know, when I kind of first start having my memories of uh, grasping things, uh, you know, conceptually, as far as, you know, understanding, okay, I'm going to have to start probably listening a little more, you know, I, I kind of remember being about 12, you know, let's say, um, you know, of course, I was, you know, traveling with with dad and, um, you know, being a part of so many things you did and listening to you teach. And, you know, I gleaned some from that for sure. But, you know, it was really when I was about 12, I think, is when I started understanding that I need to, I need to be focused, you know, I have, I have a stake in this, you know, whether I understand it right now or not. And so I have memories of, uh, you know, going to Monte Judas Sukkot. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just that was my first big meeting, big meeting with lots of people my age in the same faith as me, you know, up till then, it had been kind of little pockets here and there. Um, and I just remember, like, loving it you know just that Sukkot time of you know so many people so many so many new friends so many people who don't question why you don't eat something or why you're doing you know Sukkot and it was it was amazing amazing time and what that led to for me was going to Camp Yeshua and Camp Yeshua played a very very big role in my life Um, I went every year from 2008 to 2015 so I think eight years straight um, and it was, it was in that time that I really started to develop my relationship with God, um, you know, just really diving in and seeing, you know, the power and the, the, um, just his Holy spirit moving, you know, being a part of those worship sets and just seeing people, my age, like giving it all, like laying it all down, like David, yeah. you talking about, you know, mm-hmm. praying for each other. And, you know, I hadn't really done that either, 
but you're just in that environment and it feels so natural. You know, there's just such a purity of worship and you just come together as, as young people and it just felt so good. And so, you know, it was in those times that I started understanding spiritual highs and how you have these really mountaintop experiences and you come down and you just fall off for a while. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I started, started understanding that and dreading it. Like I hated that. I hated that it ended and I just had to figure out like, well, how do you just maintain this? Um, But when I really consider my salvation moment, uh, if you want to call it that, you know, the moment I think to when I got saved was we put on a Sukkot at our property in 2009, 2008 or nine, I think it was nine. And we had some friends of ours coming up from Florida who I remember from my childhood. Uh, They, you know, the parents changed my diapers and, you know, we just, I was too young to really remember um, being in Florida, but our friends came up and there was um, their daughter who was a year or two older than me. And we were hanging out a little bit. And all of a sudden we get into these worship nights um, in the evenings there and the spirits just falling. I think it was actually, it was the first night of worship actually. And it was, I mean, you're talking, the spirit Mm -hmm. just collapsed the place. Um, And it was so heavy and thick and I was looking around me and I was witnessing it and I was like, okay, I kind of know what's going on here, but I, I'm not a part of it yet. And I started like, you know, kind of praying and talking to God and was like, okay, you know, I want to be a part of this, but there's like something just holding me back here. And so, you know, I go outside the tent and I'm just looking up at the stars and I'm praying to God and just like kind of pleading with him. Mm -hmm. And I look behind me and I see my friend who's a couple years older than me and she is absolutely bawling her eyes out. And something has clearly got a hold of her. And I look back up at the stars and I was mad in that moment. I was like, God, (laughs) that I want what she has right now. I want it. And so I I just laid it down in desperation. And this brings a point that I, I feel pretty passionate about is that there's a lot of people that approach Mm. the area of worship and they look at people who are experiencing emotion and they're crying and they're they're emotional and they just they categorize it as emotionalism mm-hmm. or like it's not a real move of the spirit it's just their emotions coming to the service but here's the thing god created our emotions yeah and if you can read the psalms and not think that david was incredibly emotional you need to like open up a different part of your spirit because he yep. he was i mean david what you're talking about as far as yeah. you know being angry at god david was angry at god a lot mm-hmm. and it was. it was his honesty with god i think that really let god say this is a man after my own heart he's let, honest with me he's let me real. throw something there before god. you before you move on he was mm-hmm. truthful with god hey yeah. he was honest he was truthful yeah. and, and david i just go back to what you said that mm-hmm. if somebody had said, listen, God knows this anyway, so why don't you just go ahead and admit it? Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's what Daniel's talking about. Go ahead. You know, just understanding that God is, he's a good father and he knows you and he wants you to admit it. And he's not afraid of your questions and yeah. he's not afraid of your emotions. And so in that moment, I laid it down. I was like, God, I want that. And the next thing I remember was being completely prostrate. 
on the ground. Like I don't remember going to my knees and I don't remember going to my face, but that's where I ended up. And the next moment I, I look over, I see you dad and you're looking at me and you're cheering. Like you knew what was going on. And gosh, I just, you know, I've, I read, uh, this present darkness or pierce in the darkness by Frank Peretti. And he depicts this moment of this woman who's walking through an extremely difficult life. And he depicts the moment that she gets saved and he kind of expands out to the spiritual realm. And you're just seeing like this bright blinding light, just enveloping everything around it. Mm -hmm. And that's how I look back at that moment for me was like, you know, there is a, there is a light going forth from this place in this moment and the angels are rejoicing. And so that was that was my salvation moment. Um, so uh, we go forward from there, and I I keep you know slowly growing with my own relationship with with God, and I'm starting to understand more and more you know what you were talking about, Dave. Like, mm-hmm. got to make it my own. I have to increase my own relationship with God, um, and then I go to oh no, and then we get hit by a tornado oh, yeah. in 2010. Yeah. And that's, you know, it's a pretty pivotal part of, of, uh, my life as well, because we went into our, our tornado shelter and, you know, we go in there and this is a story all on its own, but we go in there. And when we started running out the house, you know, dad, you were behind us. We got to the tornado shelter. I turn around and you're not there and I'm freaking out. (laughs) So it felt like an eternity, but you finally ran out and we see you and then we don't see you because the leaves and the rain yeah. are just absolutely covering you. We can't see anything but your flashlight. Yeah. And so we're in that uh, tornado shelter for a couple minutes, maybe it felt like hours. Um, but we walk out and our lives were completely rearranged. I did a writing oh, on that describing it as a time machine because everything had changed. Um, but in the end, you know, I don't want to spend too much time on that, but it strengthened us as a family. And in the end, it strengthened me and my own faith uh, immensely, even though the first thought I had after I walked out of that shelter was, God, why did you let this happen? Um, and I felt guilty in that moment for asking him that question. But now I would realize, like, it's okay to ask him that question. Why Why is this happening? You know, just ex- proceeding in honesty. Um, that year at Camp Yeshua, I met a pretty significant person in my life, um, my wife now, uh, Catesby. Um, all again, another story in its own. And, and the father actually spoke to her at that Camp Yeshua. Yeah. Uh, he he showed me to her and spoke to her that we were going to be married. Um, thankfully, he didn't tell me that. He didn't tell that to me, uh, you know, because typically the guys are going to probably be a little more apt to mess that up. Um, but you know, we, we talked on and off for about five years. Um, we meet back up at revive in 2015. Uh, I come away from revive saying, gotta move out. I gotta move to North Carolina where she is. I move out a few months later and, you know, our, our relationship proceeded pretty quickly from that moment, but you know, we had kind of known each other for five years. So I, uh, you know, this time, dad, you're doing tours again. And so I asked her if she wants to go on a tour with me because we had already planned I was going to be on the tour, uh, being the photographer for that. And so we both we go to Israel together. Um, I proposed there. And that was, you know, and I'm, we're going to get into this a lot over this podcast. Okay. If you or I or 
Dave or Ryan has anything to do with it, Israel is going to be a topic. Sure. But is. that um, going to Israel together was really foundational for us, actually, you know, being able to walk the land together and experience the ground of Yeshua and the birthplace of Yeshua and the, the, the place of, of the founding of our faith, like literally that's where it all happened. And so walking through all that together was really foundational for us in our marriage. Um, and so we were married, um, six months later, roughly. Um, and you know, now we have our fourth child on the way. So, you know, there's, there's a lot to unpack in there, but you know, a a lot of this clearly in that I I mentioned some of this last week, but in in that was a lot of the mess of the messianic movement. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, there was, there was a moment before Catesby and I got married that, you know, I was doing a decent amount of ministry myself, you know, doing some speaking engagements here and there, you know, I had a, um, a show on Hebrew nation radio with a friend of mine for a while and when i stepped out of that i stepped out of that to focus on catesby and to you know really just focus on what god had placed in front of me um you know i intentionally set ministry to the side and focused on her and when i stepped out of that you know the messianic world was kind of at its kind of at its worst as far as the you know the stuff and five years later you know, I'm, I'm just kind of going through my life. Like, yeah, you know, I'm, I got, I'm doing my carpentry, you know, it's what I do by trade. Uh, you know, got my job, we got our family, you know, those ministry days, you know, they were nice, you know? Um, but you know, I just didn't really feel like it was for me anymore, even though before I stepped out of it, I would have said for sure that ministry was what I was going to be in. Um, and so, KSP and I went back to revive in 2021. Yeah. Last year. And God absolutely 100% just shoved into my face. You are still for ministry, but it wasn't exactly how I had imagined it because, you know, the last thing I'll say as far as my testimony is, um, or last kind of story is that God put in me a deep, deep longing for worship. Um, when I was at Camp Yeshua, um, the, from the first moment I saw it, I was like, I love this. I love this atmosphere. I love this, um, what's happening here, the presence of God invading people's lives and just taking over. And, you know, I was watching the people who were leading the worship and just saying like, I, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a minister in this way of, of music and be, you know, this conduit for him to flow through. The problem was couldn't sing at all. And I didn't even know that I couldn't sing. Um, my guitar skills were limited to about three chords with four different songs. Um, I could not sing and play at the same time. Um, and now, you know, I am a worship leader, you know, we I've led worship at revive. I lead worship for our home congregation every single week, but getting from there to here was an extremely painful journey. And, you know, I'm sure we'll go into that more, but I want people to hear that sometimes your calling, your purpose, your anointing does not come easily just because it's your anointing. For me, God had placed that desire on my heart for worship, but I didn't have the abilities at the time. And learning how to play guitar was hard for me. And learning how to sing was extremely hard for me. And learning how to play and sing at the same time was extremely hard. Like I remember just sitting 
in a room by myself trying to do it, crying in frustration because I just couldn't put the two together. But the desire in me to lead worship was so strong yeah. that I just was desperate. And so I, I gave it up for a few years as far as playing guitar. Um, mm-hmm. But it was really Catesby actually that taught me how to sing. And, you know, slowly uh, God kind of led me into learning more and more about worship over my life, uh, watching people lead it, watching, you know, listening to people sing and, you know, all this kind of stuff, but really instilling the importance of worship because I believe over everything, I'm a worshiper and then a musician. Yeah. Um, right. And so, you know, just having that balance in my life, uh, but really, you know, I, it came super hard. It was blood, sweat, and tears. And but literally every single week on Shabbat, I get to live my dream. Yeah, I go to Shabbat and I lead worship and it's just the most amazing thing. And I'm in awe every single time because three years ago, two years ago, even I couldn't do it by myself. I had to have mm-hmm. some support. I had to have someone that if I jumped off key, you know, I would hear them like and get back on key. But now I'm like, you know, I jump off key sometimes and I don't even care because that's not what it's about, <laughs> you know? Um, right. But yeah, just um, sometimes the anointing takes work and, mm-hmm. you know, but God does not put a desire on your heart just to take it away from you. Mm-hmm. He's He doesn't just give you desires and things like this and then not allow you to realize them. Like if he puts a desire on your heart and it's it lines up with his word and you have authorities in your life and people in your life who know you that are saying, yes, this is a good thing. Um it's going to happen. You just got to put the work in. So, yep. Guys, we got about eight or 10 minutes here. Mm-hmm. It's, it's amazing to me how, David, as you said, you know, we, we kind of run through this thing, you know, and this happens to me on every program that I do, which is numerous these days. Uh, I had looked at the verse, uh, the scripture for this coming week, uh, Deuteronomy, and it's uh, the, uh-huh. it's chapter 16, uh, verse verse 18 through chapter 21 verse 9 i believe it is i can't see that far um and and i i picked out a verse here that says in uh chapter 18 verse um verse 13 i think it is you must be wholeheartedly be with adonai your elohim the king james translates this as you must be perfect before the lord your god Mm -hmm. now if the standard is perfection how many are in none yeah i'm done <laughs> I you know, Yeshua. I, yeah, uh, yeah i'm yeah, done that's it okay uh i can tell you i'm perfect all day except for the problem is daniel's here on the program with me and <laughs> <laughs> he knows more secrets than he's going to tell because i know some of his too mm-hmm. um i i love the way that david stern translates this in the complete jewish bible is you must be wholehearted mm-hmm. wholehearted the word there is uh, tamid, mm-hmm. uh, yep. and it is kind of fascinating to me that mm-hmm. the word means completed. Now, it goes farther, and, and Daniel, you know, and uh, David, you know, that I, I love to kind of play around with the Hebrew language a little bit. I'm not real good at it, but uh, the, the letters of the root word is a tav, a mem, and a final mem. Mm-hmm. And so the Tav is the last letter of the Hebrew Aleph Beit. So it's the it's the completed, it's the completion of the Aleph Beit, of, of the Hebrew alf, uh, alphabet. Starts with the Aleph, ends with the Tav. So it's it's it, it's everything within it being completed. Mm-hmm. But then it's a mem and a final mem. Mm-hmm. 
And you guys are talking about that. It's like I, I picture up in here in North Carolina, we have these rivers and you get it North Georgia too. We have these rivers. I've got one, you know, hundred yards from my house here that is, is these rapids and there's twists and turns and rocks and, and boulders and, you know, all kinds of stuff. And then it comes to that final mem is, is this is a, it's, it's a different letter in that it is closed off. It's kind of like when the river comes to a lake and it comes to a place of rest. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. this is what I hear in you two guys tonight is this, that it's the twisting and the turns of our life that the father wants to bring us through to bring us to that place of peace at the end, that place of rest in him. There's a verse in uh, in Philippians chapter chapter one verse six that I, 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 I that this is one of those that's so meaningful. He who has begun a good work in you is able to complete it. Yeah, that's it. It's like it. he who began the water at the beginning of the river is able to take it to the end, to the mm-hmm. place of that lake. You guys give yeah. me some give me some thoughts here. We got five minutes. I was about to say I'll jump in and say you're absolutely right. Uh, to be keep it short, I kind of was listening to Daniel's the testimony there, and I was like, wow, this is kind of reflecting around the verse. I I wasn't planning on that either, but it yeah. kind of was yeah, reflecting no, around it, and it was so wild. But sure. I was going to say that that that's the kind of thing you got to just get started. And I think that in my translation it says blameless, and I think yeah. that I. I like I think I like yours better. I think I like the whole heartedness more because yeah. it just takes that you have to strive for it still. And some people like to think that, oh, I'm just gonna get it downloaded. Yeah, it can happen, but I think it's actually so much sweeter when you struggle and then others can see it in you. Yeah. Is a kind of a testament to God, actually. And it's a testament to you to go, oh wow, he has taken me from here to hear like he has actually brought me up to this place i didn't have to elevate myself others saw it and recognized the spirit in me that's i think that i was wanting to resonate that that's what daniel was talking about towards the end of his mm-hmm. testimony i was like man yeah. that's exactly what i've seen it's it's so it's so obvious so yeah dan what's your thoughts on that because yeah i uh you know the verse just being wholehearted you know I think you can take it on a very simple note and, you know, just realize like it's about being, being wholehearted and throwing yourself into, you know, what you're doing with God. But I was also reading uh, Proverbs this morning. We were, you know, going through uh, reading a proverb a day to mm-hmm. match the date. Um, the days was 29. So in the picture I took of this morning, uh, it, it cut off the verse, but it's somewhere near the end of the proverb. <laughs> um, but it says without a prophetic vision, the people throw off all restraint, yeah. but he who keeps Torah is happy. And so, you know, Proverbs is always talking in this way of like, you know, there's, you know, the person that does A is A, and then the, the person who is B does B. And so it's like constantly bringing these comparisons and, but they're, they're linked together. And so it's talking about without a prophetic vision, people throw off restraint, but he who keeps Torah is happy. And so, you combine that with being wholehearted with God and wholeheartedly chasing him. You know, I believe what this is saying is that Torah can bring you happiness and it can bring you prophetic vision because it's talking about these two things in the same verse. And so just realizing that the Torah can bring you to prophetic vision and realizing that 
being wholehearted with God is not just reading his Torah. It's not just reading the entirety of the word. It's not just following Yeshua. It's not just, you know, uh, being in tune with the Holy Spirit and all these things. It's like going after all of these things with all that you are, yeah. you know, being wholehearted to chase all of these things and realizing that all these things kind of work together. You know, I just, maybe it's a loose connection, but you know, I, I got something from it this morning. I- I actually gonna agree with you. I think that it, that part of it that maybe is uh, a part of that whole thing too is that all those things matter. You got to do that, but then mm-hmm. you've actually got to actually put yourself in this, like out there. Yeah. You actually have to say, "Well, you know what? I'm just gonna try this and see what happens." Like you said, I, you didn't know that you could sing, so guess what? You're gonna go out there going, "Ah, you're gonna be, <laughs> you're gonna hit wrong notes. You're just gonna have to do it." But yeah. the thing is, you just gotta keep going and that's the thing i think that we could in america we can especially in american society western mindset and culture like we'll think oh we can't even do it unless we have all this training it's like Mm -hmm. god's funny about that he'll be like i just need you to step out i just need you to make a four i just let me take your forward step and let me just take you going let me get let you go yeah so i wanted to throw that on there what you're talking about is is what this program is life Mm -hmm. on purpose Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, to quote the verse again, as, as we end, um, that uh, Jeremiah 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. God yeah. created every single one of you that's listening today on purpose. And you've yeah. heard David's testimony on purpose. You've heard Daniel's mm-hmm. testimony on purpose because God is wanting to bring out the reason he created you. Mm-hmm. So live life on purpose. See you next yep. week. Amen. See ya. God of the universe.